0: The Old Testament reading is from the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verse 14. You shall not commit adultery. The New Testament reading is from the book of John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is the word of the Lord. please be seated.
1: when you're playing with uh, kids hide and seek or any type of game where you're you're the one attacking, um, the element of surprise cannot be understated, so when they're hiding on one side of the closet or one side of the bed, what you want to do is sneak around the other side of the bed and don't attack them where their faces, attack them where their feet are. It's called the element of surprise. And uh, many of my sermons in the series, uh, at the beginning of the sermon, uh, when it's read, you're reading the one passage, okay, it's do not commit adultery, now we're reading a passage about to the vine, and I look at your face, it's like, where is this going? Surprise attack. <laughs> I get you comfy over here, then I swoop in and attack you when you're not expecting it. That's what these sermons are going in case you haven't noticed. So be prepared, it'll come. Uh, So as we've been looking at these series, this sermon series, again, hopefully you have heard the Ten Commandments are one way, shape, or another. Um, and we're going through them now. We're at the Seventh Commandment. Uh, should have put a warning up there that we will have to use the words like pornography and sex during the sermon. Um, I just use them. Uh, they'll come out again later. But uh, as we're looking at, as this, as we're thinking about it, it's a reminder of where we've been is that uh, how, how we want to view these, these commandments. And that's, uh, you know, I can't say this enough that, you know, God's come to not just... Um, free us from sin, but to, to totally occupy our hearts and minds. Um, he didn't want us to free us to do what we want. He wanted to free us so that we would chase after him in his holiness and righteousness. We talked about how these commandments are very un-Western and that they are top-down. They're not bottom-up. Um, there are no amendments. We talked about how the Constitution is a powerful document, but you can make amendments to it. Um, God says when he's delivered these to us, they are as they are, perfect. And Christ, in the New Testament, helps us understand how they are even more perfect than we could have even hopefully imagined. And today's particular message, we're talking about what it means to not commit adultery. As you already can guess, where we're going with this is that Christ is going to say this extends to far more than just having Intercourse with someone who's not your spouse. It's going to go into all types of areas of our heart where areas of lust dwell. And as I was thinking about really where this was going to, it reminded me, uh, again, where where we're kind of headed today is the the idea of identity. Um, if any of you have ever had your identity stolen, it's very frustrating because people are doing things without your permission using your identity. There was a movie, there was a famous movie in the 50s called um, um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, where these pods from aliens came down and they would just sit there and then they would take the, the, the identity of the person they were nearest to when these pods sprang open, but they would be these soulless, emotionless copies of these people and you had to find out who they were. It's um, a great analogy for another day, right? But uh, in the same way though, the identity has been stolen, and we're going to see that this commandment has more to do with identity than it does simply about um, a sexual act. God's people were called to live in a society to one another, but also to live as a chosen people, a light to the nations around them. These Ten commandments were to help them on both level. How to function as a society, but also how to function as a people who have a connection to the Holy of Holies, the one true Lord. And that's what these commandments were always intended to be and still need to be in our hearts today. Dave Ramsey, uh, the the famous money guru guy, his whole thing about getting away from debt and how to do with money, his phrase is, live like no one else, so you can live like no one else. And I was like, that's a great slogan for what these commandments are. God wants you to live like no one else, so you can live like no one else. And that's what we're going to look at today. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray now. Holy Spirit, you would take our hearts... Lord, reveal yourself to them there so that we may know you more dearly. We pray for all the children and the teachers upstairs that you would bless their time as well. We thank you for this day. May you receive all the praise and glory. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So again, as we're talking about identity, this reminded me of one time I was in, uh, I had one of those stories uh, in college where uh, it was a sight class and the professor said, uh, was trying to point out how. Um, we are really just, you know, we're, we're, animals with certain needs. And if those needs were raised high enough, you would, you would get rid of your, your moral standing or your religious values. You'd get rid of that stuff to, to cling onto your animalistic side. And he goes, how many of you, um, if you knew you only had five years to live, would go ahead and, and sleep with someone, sleep around, even if they weren't someone you were going to marry. And he goes, how many of you do that? Um, how many of you wouldn't do that? How many of you wouldn't sleep around? And, uh. I mean, I'm not one of those guys. I'm not. I don't. You know. I, I prefer to, to talk to people one on one, not you know, not not make a disturbance in the middle of a class. But I was like, well, he's kind of asking us. So I was in the back, and I was the only one. And I raised my hand. I'm like, great. I'm going to be that guy. And so me, and he goes, what? You? What you're saying you wouldn't sleep around? I'm like, yeah, I'm saying I would. And he goes, come on. And then because I did that, there were like three or four uh, women in the front who they they go. They raised their hand. He's like, oh, come on, you're not going to do that. And there was, it was perfect. There was a guy in the front who was a, a total frat boy, all the stereotypes, just a party animal, crazy dude. And he's like, me too. <laughs> and, and the professor got so upset that we were saying we would cling to, to, to this notion of morals that he stepped out of the classroom for a second, kind of yelled in the hall. It was a little bit traumatic for dramatics. But he yelled in the hallway and came back in. But again, what he was saying was your identity um, is more wrapped up in, in in your primal nature than in these other things, and we were saying, I don't know if that's true, and he didn't like the sound of that. And so when we get to the the text in Exodus twenty fourteen, it's a very simple commitment, you shall not commit adultery. Um, and in that particular time. Uh, that that was there was some uh, it meant slightly it, again, just like we look, looked at last week 's stuff is this had slightly different connotation it was it was definitely towards the adults, obviously, and they were to model it. Um, there were different understandings of men and women and their and their roles when it came to this. It was uh, some cultures permitted uh, men to have uh, multiple wives or concubines. Uh, it even happened in the old Testament um, wives didn 't have that, um, but in essence it was having uh, intercourse with someone outside of who were legally allowed to do it. And what when the Israelites are interesting, too, is that, though unlike other societies around them, they gave this, uh, the, 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 the punishment of this was, was in God's hand. Um, they said this was, this was a commandment of God, not just of society. And as they saw that, that God was saying, I want you to, to live in this kind of way, um, how they, they saw that well was that again that I mean, they wanted to honor the commitment between a husband and wife remember as we talked about we see they, they understood it but then they moved away from it and, and uh, as someone said uh, send me that song, old song by Paul Simon the more you destination, the more you slip sliding away uh, the more they think they're achieving this commandment the more they're falling away so if many of you are here saying well I'm not married I don't have this problem or I've never committed adultery I don't have a problem then I have to warn you again this is for you if, when you hear the Ten Commandments and your first thought is, I hope someone else can hear this. You know, I need my, you know, whoever to hear this. Uh, then, you understand, that probably means you need to hear it more than they do. I'm not preaching to them. I'm preaching to you. Um, and so, uh, as they saw this, again, they, they, how they heightened it. And we see other cultures understand this a little bit. And they, they can go wonky with it. Because a lot of times where this did end up, Again, the good sense is that we want to honor this commitment. I heard a good illustration once of, of it's like a fire. A fire is great if it's in the right place. If it's in the wrong place, it's disastrous. A fire in a home, in a fireplace, is a wonderful thing. A fire at home when it's on your carpet, horrible thing. And the same way how they kind of viewed it as this God has given us a design for how it's supposed to be used. And again, When I talked about last week, and when you talked about our job is to take care of all life, if you narrow it all down to just abortion, then you're neglecting all the thousands of other ways that commandment is applicable. And the same thing with this one. If you're narrowing it down to just homosexuality, then what you're saying is everyone else has a problem with this commandment and not me. This is a commandment for all of us, that we all need to think about what's going on in our hearts when it comes to this commandment. So how did it begin to be abused? Well, it began to be abused why, again, the problem's not me, it's you. We see this in other cultures today where, especially when it came to the men treating the women, they we're going were to kind of close them off because I'm so tempted. That the thing to do is to cover them and, and close them and push them away and, and treat it almost like it's their fault that I'm, I'm tempted. And they begin to kind of focus on just the fact that, that as long as I don't commit the act, I've achieved the goal of the commandment. Now remember... If at any point, as you're going through these, if you get to that point where you're like, I've achieved this, I'm, I'm, I've got it, then that means on some level you've completely missed it. And that's what started to happen. The focus is on just making sure that particular act didn't happen. Again, we have great examples, fortunate examples. Uh, we'll go back to our, our, our great fall guide, King David. There's a great example of it doesn't matter what you have. That this temptation, this lust can seize you. David, King David, committed adultery. And you would say, but as people argue with this, but it's, it's, it's when they try to justify committing adultery, King David had all the reasons to never want to need that, and yet he still couldn't keep the reins on his heart. And that's just King David. We know it happened, unfortunately. So what is the commandment talking about? It's simply just the act. See, for many of us, when it comes to adultery, as we said, we'll see, it's, this isn't a leap. When it comes to just desires, lust of the heart, for many of us, the, the advice we're given is just don't do it. And the problem is that's just not enough. That's just not enough. When I... It's a, a very, it's a very serious matter, but I'll use one more lighthearted illustration. Uh, um, when I was uh, in my teen years and didn't have time to just do all my laundry, I thought ironing a smelly shirt would, would make everyone think it was clean. And uh, <laughs> while the, the shirt might be straight, the smell, the funk, was just as potent. In the same way, just not doing it might look okay on the outside, but the funk is still there. And Jesus says, let's bring the funk. So let's look at how the gospel magnifies this. How the gospel magnified this? Well, we see just to get there so we're not missing it, so you don't think we're, we're sugarcoating it. Matthew 5, 27, 29 says this, "'You have heard it was said, you shall not commit adultery.'" But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If you're right, I cause you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better you lose one of your members than of your whole body and be thrown into hell. He goes on after that passage, even liken and talk about how divorce, um, divorce is even, uh, uh, he connects divorce to adultery. Because now you've divorced someone that you were supposed to be connected to with, and they they get remarried and have someone you're, they're now having intercourse with someone who wasn't there. You, you're spreading adultery. Again, he's saying it's just a horrible thing. When Paul is talking about, uh, I found this is, this is a, a fun talk when I was a student minister. It, it was fun to be adamant with teenagers, um, but it worked with you as well. Um, not just the teenagers in this room, but Paul was talking about, let's talk about, he's talking about sin and how he fights sin and battles sin when it comes to these passions, when it comes to lust specifically. You know what Paul, what word Paul uses, how we're supposed to engage this? Flee. (laughs) And so we would demonstrate, we would have kids demonstrate what it means to flee. Have you ever had to flee something? It means something is coming at your way and you realize the best solution is to Run. And so Paul says, here's the best solution to this issue. Run! That's how serious and significant it is. I have three things that this passage, the one in uh, Matthew talks about this. Three R's, so the first one you might, is that a real word? It's a real word. Um, First problem, it's it's regent, um, which means uh, it's, um, that's where we get, kind of sounds like we get the word regal from. But we see that the first problem with this Commandment, what it's reading, what lust comes from, what Jesus is saying is that it controls you. The first problem I'm talking about is that it controls you. The second, so the problem is rigged. Second, the treatment is radical. He's saying that the only solution to this problem is radical. This is where we get the eye thing, gouge it out. And again, the consequences are real. The consequences are real. Just a couple of storts on that. Again, the, the statistics on, on, on men and women who are addicted to things on, on the internet, to lifestyles, is rampant. It's, it's just as high, there's a set it's just as high, if not higher amongst pastors and churches and elders. It's addictive. There are predators out there who've said it started with just exploring the lustful desires and led to, to predate, being predators and, and, and doing and murder. Charles Manson talked about that. Psychologists and i have proven that, that it actually rewires the brain. When I talk about the, how the problem is, is regnant how it's, it rules your life there was a, a, a guy uh, I knew who was working at a church and he was addicted but he thought this is, this is an isolated issue. It's just, it's just something I struggle with at home when no one's around. But the problem is, it, it was starting to control him and said, I need more hours of your life. And he began to lose sleep because he was up from 11 to 2 to 3. And eventually, his, he worked in a church. Eventually, the church leadership called him in and said, you're just not, what's wrong? Like, you're not, you're not all here. And he said, I'm fine. Went on for a few more weeks. And finally, they had to fire him because he was just a zombie during the day and he finally confessed what his struggle was. Instead of firing him, they sent him to counseling. It controls you. Again, the treatment is radical. Just so you know what Jesus is talking about here, because we already talked about the commandment, shall not murder, extends to like, not bodily harm, so Jesus isn't contradicting himself. What he's saying here is the right eye gouges out, again, the, the right-handed stuff. You'll see this passage in other places that he's saying, What, what he said, in essence, what he's saying is, whichever... Part of your life is leading you. It's your right eye. That's the dominant eye. Right right hand is your dominant hand. The right side is the dominant side. What, what, what Christ is saying, commentators uh, mostly agree on, is that what he's saying is, whatever is, is leading you that way, no matter how important it is, you've got you to gotta get rid of it. No matter how important it is, you've got to get rid of it. And that's, that might be difficult for many of us, especially if you're, you're addicted or the desire, the lust is so big. But whatever it is, you, you've got to get rid of it. So so right eye was something they understood. If, if now, nomenclature would be like, if, if you just, if, if your smartphone is just too powerful for you, then fight the culture and get rid of your smartphone. If going to certain places at certain times is too much for you, then Yes, it might look makes you seem a little odd, but do what you have to do. And Jesus is saying, by saying "throw out," he's saying it might be really hard to do this. It's going to be difficult. It might mean ending a relationship. I told you I've mentioned this before. When I do premarital counseling, the first talk have I have with them is the Facebook talk. I said, listen, if you're going to be committing to one another, a great place to start showing your spouse that they're more important than anyone else is to go through Facebook and just defriend all of your past relationships. I don't mean friendships. I mean any, any type of romantic relationship. You just defriend them. Not because they're horrible or because you're judgmental, because they don't need to be a part of your life. Show me you can do this here. This is just one small step. In the same way, he's saying you, you might have to be radical. It's going to be hard. And then, finally, the consequences are real. Because we're talking about identity. Again, once you give in, once these desires take control, they begin to rewrite who you are and what you believe. Because at some point, as we'll see, to give in to these is to move away from something greater. There was a great story about a, uh, I heard a guy about a car. He was a valet um, at a a car place. And um, a guy pulled in with a, 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 I just put a really fancy car, but he he pulled in with some some super fancy vehicle and walked to the, there was two valets and he goes, listen, maybe there were three. He goes, listen, who's who's going to, I got to leave my car with you. This is an expensive car. Who's going to take care of it? And the first guy goes, he goes, he's like, what are you going to do? And the first guy was like, listen. I, I, there's a parking space right over there. I'm just going to go at one mile an hour and just back it right in. And the guy goes, no, 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 no. I'm so good. I can, I can park your car within a millimeter of any other vehicle. And I promise it'll not get scratched. And then the third guy goes, I'm going to park your car in the empty lot over there. <laughs> and the guy said, you can take my keys. The idea being what we need to do is totally reorient what we're supposed to do. Again, for so many of us, this commandment, for so many of us, the life we live is how far. The question to get most is, how far can I go before it's too far? Which reveals your heart. Christ is saying, it's not how close can you get without going too far, it's how far away can you go? That's the passion he wants to see. If the desire is, how close can I go without going too far? Which is in essence what becoming, as they were viewing it, as the commandment became, this is in, this is not, and it became about what, how far can I get without crossing the line, then you're missing the essence of it. Because it's saying is, if there's, there is no place you can go because your heart can always fall. You need to get to the place where your heart is guarded and protected. Meaning, the gospel. See, the problem with the seventh commandment is not willpower. The problem of failing at the seventh commandment is a gospel issue. The gospel is supposed to be bringing something to you that changes and satisfies you so deep from the inside that the temptation or the dealing with the struggle of temptation is no longer an issue. Meaning this: just because you have Jesus doesn't mean you're going to struggle. What I'm saying is, with the gospel, it means you're willing to struggle with temptation and not give in because what you have in the gospel is so sweet. So again, looking at this text in Matthew five twenty-seven to thirty, what what is the how, how do we how do we apply this? Again, is that you need to look at purity and chastity. You need to look at holiness. You need to set the bar high. How high? To Christ. That's how high. So it's not about how close. It's about how high. When he talks about changing, this radical treatment, as we heard in that passage that we read in the vine, it's about discipleship. It's about following Christ. And about the consequences. If we read at the end, remember at the end of the passage in Matthew, he says, this, this is going to lead you to hell. Well, the only thing that leads you to hell is having faith in something other than Jesus Christ. And what Christ is saying is your identity needs to be wrapped up in Him and not something else. That's the definition. That's what gets you to hell, is having something or someone other than Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior having something else fulfill you on the inside. Then we get to this passage in John. John 15, 1 through 5, where these famous I am statements, he's saying you need to abide, you need to remain in me. The two big things we would see in this passage. Again, so what is the key? Again, like I said, the, the, the thing we want to point out is that uh, how does the gospel uh, amplify this? What, what the gospel is saying is the problem is not in our heart, the, the solution is in the gospel. The problem is in our heart, the solution is in the gospel. The problem is not in the act. The problem is in the heart. The solution is the gospel. And so we get to this passage in John where he's talking about what this means to be in a new family, what it means to be in a new relationship. And John uh, 15, 1 through 5 is now introduced this theme of the vine, you need to be connected to me. And again, if just saying stop it isn't going to work, the solution is embracing the gospel And this is where the vine comes in. How does the gospel flow? How does it work? Well, we need to remain. We need to be connected into Christ. And what he even says about himself in this passage, one, that you are the branch. We are an extension. We are connected to Christ in a living way. And secondly, these branches bear fruits. And that fruit is holiness. The way to make the seventh commandment fulfilled in your hearts is to be connected to the vine. So that the vine is bearing fruit in your life and that fruit is holiness. We must remain. We must abide in him. I think it's a great passage. Apart from him, you can do nothing. So verse, the seventh, seventh commandment, apart from Christ, you are hopeless. Look at verse six. Verse six says, the, the ones that don't produce if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. You ever heard of the book, uh, Lord of the Flies? There's a passage in Judges 21-25 that basically says in those days there was no king and everyone did what was right in their own heart, and their own mind. Everyone did what was right to them. Lord of the Flies, what do you have to take a bunch of like prepudificent boys, throw them an island, and get rid of all authority? This is what you get. Craziness. And the same thing, our hearts are the same way. It's Lord of the Flies in there without Christ. If you're disconnected from the vine, that's what it looks like. And if again, if holiness is what we want to pronounce to the world, if holiness is what we want to be about on the inside, we must be connected to the vine if we want that holiness to grow inside of us. And so how do we conquer it? How does this change? How to How do we do this? How do we conquer lust? Well, the way we conquer lust, because again, lust consumes everything, as Jesus said. Jesus said it's not about this one act. It's about lust. How do we conquer? it? We don't want to confuse the issue by by masking the real problem, like that shirt. We conquer lust by letting the gospel conquer you. Verses 7 through 10. Listen to this. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. But this, my Father, is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. So, these following these commandments have a connection to abiding in Christ, but abiding in Christ is what brings these commandments fruition. It's through Christ doing it. Christ has done it. We're connected to that vine and through that connection to him that spreads to us. Again, when it comes to following God, this is where disciple comes from. I've heard so many people, when they're talking about struggles and temptation, they say, I wrestled with it for a while. I wrestled with it for a while, but finally decided this is, this is what I wanted to do. Discipleship, true discipleship means you never stop wrestling. We get the image and structure talks about how you want to finish the race in life running that race across the finish line. A better image of what that looks like would be like if you were fighting someone in the line next to you and you rolled across the finish line wrestling. That's what the gospel is talking about is that no matter what, the holiness and righteousness of God is what you're pursuing. So even as the temptation, everything else is growing and everything around you is saying, it's okay to give in here. You're like, no. Oh, that's very difficult. And I really want to do that. I'm not going to because I'm clinging to the commandments. I'm clinging to Christ, and I'm not going to stop wrestling. That is what God wants. So when people pray, I pray. I had this temptation regarding this, whatever it was. Um, I prayed about it, wrestled with it, but decided to go ahead and give into it. I've heard it all. That doesn't sound. This is saying is if you abide in Him and keep His commandments, ask whatever you wish. So, the power from your prayer doesn't come from what you've asked for. The power of the prayer is that you're connected to God, to Christ. And in faith, you're offering a prayer and you're holding on to Him. Isn't that great? How many of people struggled and said, I prayed a lot, nothing happened. But I gave in to what I wanted to do, anyways. Here is saying, Abide, remain in me. Make these commandments a part of your life Have they been a part of his life. Ask whatever you need. And that's what our goal is. What we need to do is that the gospel conquer us. It's just not merely avoiding temptation. It's allowing the gospel to obliterate temptation. John Piper says this about temptation. Darkness comes. In the middle of it, the future looks bleak. The temptation to quit is huge. Don't. You're in good company. You will argue with yourself that there is no way forward. But with God, nothing is impossible. He has more ropes and ladders and tunnels out of pits than you can conceive. Wait, pray without ceasing, and hope. See, if the seventh commandment could fill by you just not doing something, then we'd all have it. But Christ is saying that's not how our hearts work. We need something more than a slogan or a phrase. We need the power of the gospel to take hold of our hearts. And the message we proclaim to the people around us is not don't do this. The message we proclaim to the people around us is Christ's holiness is far greater than anything the world can offer. Look at verse 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is what it feels like to wrestle and cling to Christ. This is what it feels like to let him be the Lord even when it comes to matters of lust. That he's bringing you joy and joy to the full. Again, holiness might not feel good. It might feel like sandpaper on your skin. But that's okay. The reward, the fruit you're reaping is holiness, which brings you closer to Jesus Christ. At the core, adultery, lust, it's about being empty on the inside. The gospel is about filling you on the inside bringing you a new identity. So what does this promote? This commandment is promoting holiness. What's it prohibiting? Identity theft. Don't let it steal who you are. You are God's chosen people. Bearing the light of holiness and righteousness, faith, hope, and love to the world around you. When we want to find holiness, we don't look to ourselves We look to Jesus Christ on the cross. We want to pursue holiness. We pursue Jesus Christ. We want to be fulfilled by holiness. We chase after Jesus Christ. So, what message are you bringing to the world around you about relationships, about sex, about pornography? Is the message you're bringing pointing them to Jesus Christ and being filled by Him? Or is it pointing to yourself? Point yourselves to Christ. And in so doing, point others to Christ and his holiness. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we may think we have this all covered, but we don't. Thank you for letting us see that. Lord, help us to see your holiness is so great great and so important that we should be willing to cast aside our own passions and desires, no matter how deep and great they are, to follow you. Lord, Holy Spirit, please do that in our hearts. Help us to be engrafted to you. Help these commandments to rule in our hearts. All to your glory and praise. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.